What's up, guys? What's going on, man? Welcome to the podcast. It's been a while, man, since I've spoken to y'all, man. It's good to good to talk to you guys. Good to be back on here. We are talking about everything today. When I say everything, typically for those people that have been subscribed to this channel from the beginning, when I talk, I normally talk about sports, basketball, kind of stay away from hockey and baseball, and the UFC. It's because those are my passions. Those are the things that I love. Those are the things that I know I could talk about without an afterthought. I just, I speak with such confidence because I love the sport. I'm so in tune with the sports. By sports, I mean both of those two things. Um, but today, you know, we're going to cover some UFC. I want to talk about some of the goals and some of the plans that I have going forward for this podcast, uh, for my YouTube channel in 2020. So it's going to be a long podcast, guys. Hopefully it's a good one, but it's definitely going to be a long one. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the show. So I didn't get a chance to preview the fight. That happened a couple weeks ago between Paul Felder and Dan Hooker. And for those of you guys that are UFC fans on this channel, I want to know, I want you guys to let me know in the comment section what you guys thought of this fight, how you guys thought it kind of played out or transpired. I didn't necessarily like the final call. I thought the final call was wrong. I thought Paul Felder got the fight. The reason I had to, I actually had to prolong this podcast was because I've been so busy with work just transitioning through so many things, changing so many things. I didn't even get a chance to watch the fight until like five days ago, which is crazy. So that's why I had to kind of put my preview of this or my review of this fight off until now. So kind of to go back to the fight, I just thought I'd give you guys that little snippet just so you guys think I wasn't slacking. But I watched the fight, man. I give Dan Hooker the first round for sure. Give him the first round 100%. I thought in the second round he did okay, but I thought Paul Felder started to come out a little stronger. I might have the rounds mixed up. I think it was either round two or round three where Felder came out and just really got after him. I mean, in the corner, uh, what the fuck is his coach's name? Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank right now. It's going to fucking annoy the shit out of me. What is his coach's name? The guy who coaches Anthony Pettis. Hold on. What? What is his name? Oh, Duke Rufus. Duke Rufus made some comment to him in the corner about this is for your daughter. I guess, you know, it motivated him clearly because he came out in that second or third round and, and he started throwing punches. He, you know, started throwing heavy kicks. And I felt that from that point on, I just felt like he started to slowly wear on Dan Hooker. The punches started to land cleanly. Dan Hooker started to feel his power. But all in all, it was a good fight. I don't want to take nothing away from Dan Hooker. Clearly, the judges that scored that fight felt like he won. I always wonder in those instances where you're like at home, you're fighting in New Zealand, you're fighting in your home country. I wonder if a lot of the times there's, you know, they just give them the fight to please the crowd. Because if you watch that fight and you kind of know what you're looking at, you, you understand the effectiveness of, you know, a takedown or how fast the guy scrambles from a, a takedown or transitioning from position to position. I really feel like the judges for the most part, and this is where, Every time I watch a Joe Rogan podcast and he gets into MMA and he talks about the scoring and he talks about weight cutting, but he also talks about he feels like fighters or old school fighters or even maybe a current fighter that's, you know, off for a little bit of a break or they're, you know, dealing with some injuries. 
I feel like they should be the one. You can easily train a fighter how to score a fight. You know, you have a structure, you have a card. This is how you score it from one to 10. These are what we're looking for. But you can't train a judge, a commission judge, on what they're looking at because you've never been in those positions. You don't ever understand the significance of, of having a guy's back. And you don't have to land heavy strikes all the time. So I definitely think that going forward, I think there should be a big, massive push on getting fighters to score fights, right? Or at least having fighters as advisors to a judge. Like what you can keep the judges, obviously, because they work for the commission. The commission oversees the sport. But why not have a professional fighter sit at each one of the judges beside one of the judges? And if the, if the judge isn't sure about the significance of a position, you can ask. You can get insight. Right? Maybe that's a little crazy, but I think it's still better than them just assuming they know what's going on. Because how many times we've seen in MMA where major fights get scored incorrectly just because they don't understand what they're looking at? Maybe a, a commission judge is like, I don't care how many takedowns the guy gets, if the guy makes him bleed in the fight, that guy won. But that guy could have lost the fight from the first round on. But because he landed a big strike and cut the guy on the forehead, he's going to win the fight. And it's it sounds crazy, but we've absolutely fucking seen it, right? Where, you know, if you look at this fight with Paul Felder, he almost retired after the fight because he was so emotional. He gave so much into that fight. And like I said, and you'll probably hear me say it 20 or 30 more times, Paul Felder won that fight. But he almost retired in that moment. Because he was so heartbroken about the decision that was handed out. So these, these guys, Dan Hooker, whomever, all the guys that compete in the sport, they sacrifice a lot to get to that cage on that night. And it's just unfortunate that the people that are scoring these fights just essentially don't really understand what they're looking at. And it's a big, it's a big problem in the sport. You know, Joe talks about the weight cutting. I think the weight cutting is a problem. But when I look at weight cutting and judging... The fighters have to decide, you know, do you want to fight a 45 or do you want to fight a 55? Obviously, guys that fight a 55 cut from about 170. Guys that fight a 45 cut from about 160. So I guess it all depends on your, your body type, how you feel you can hang with those guys. And that's going to be a trial and error thing. Look at Anthony Pettis. I mean, this guy's been 45, 55, 170. He's been in and around those three divisions over the last four years. Right? Because he'll have a good fight, a good performance. Like he did against Steven Thompson, who's a big welterweight, who hung with Tyrone Woodley, but he got knocked out by Anthony Pettis, right? And then you fight another welterweight, and you kind of get thrashed. So then you go back down to 55. And so I, with that, I think it's more trial and error. I think the scoring is terrible. It's terrible in MMA. Joe Rogan says it all the time. They've adopted the boxing scoring system. But boxing, you just stand and punch. It's very easy to, to figure out who won that fight. I mean, it can always be questioned because you might, you know, the way they have the judges, it looks like one's on one side of the ring, the other's on the other side of the ring, and the other's on the other side of the ring. But there's four, there's, four, it, there's four sides to a ring, a boxing ring. But yet you only have three judges. So one side, if, if a boxer's consistently on one side of the ring, you're missing a, a significant part of that fight. The octagon is very similar. They only have three judges. So the three judges are angled at certain spots of the cage. But there are certain parts of that fight you're going to miss just because of where you're positioned on the cage. Right? So it's, it's crazy to me. Even 
Fuck, I'd even take the ref scoring the fucking fight. Cause even he's in there. He's got a better he's got a better vantage point. He can see positions. He can see how that tight how tight that choke is or how much danger that guy's in. And he can understand the significance of that guy almost being choked out and coming back and taking that guy down and then pumbling him until the end of the round. Like he's gonna have a better view on that fight than the judges. But definitely in MMA, they gotta fix that scoring, man, because now you look at Paul Felder, he lost that fight. He's probably got to take a little time off because he got, got beat up pretty bad in that fight. And then he's got to come back and he's got to work his way into his position that he currently had. But if he, he's rewarded the victory in that fight, now he gets a top-tier guy, big money fight. Who knows? He wins that fight, potentially gets a title fight. So I always, and I treat anything the same way. I just hate when people suffer from shit that's out of their control. You know, it's easy to say, oh, Paul Felder could have gone and took in, you know, taken that fight from Dan, or you got to go after it, you got to finish the guy. Anybody who says that is so fucking stupid. It's a fight. You honestly think these guys go out there hoping to get knocked out or hoping to lose, but you got to be careful. It takes one swift mistake or one overeager individual to throw a punch and commit a little too much. You get off balance or something, you get cracked. Like I say, I always compare boxing and MMA because the conversation people treat it as if it's actually the same sport, and it's really not. If I throw a right hand and I commit too much and I get a little off balance, I might get decked. You know, with a right hand, maybe a right and a left, maybe that's the end of the fight, but maybe I absorb those blows. In MMA, you overcommit, and you go whizzing past the guy, there might be a head kick, a flying knee, a bloody elbow, two or three punches after that, Maybe get your back and choke you out. Like, to me, MMA is far more dangerous than boxing in terms of the way that an individual is going to be able to hurt you and get you out of there. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to eat no head kick, right? So I don't like that about the sport, and I just think that's a big problem. And it kind of leads me to this week. Tomorrow night, if you guys aren't ready for this fight, if you're a fight fan, there is something seriously wrong with you. We got Israel Adesanya, and we got Yoel Romero, whom I don't think necessarily deserves a title shot. He's coming off a couple losses, but he's had a couple good performances. And the majority of the guys now in the middleweight division, it's pretty weak. Weidman went up to light heavyweight, got cracked by Dominic Reyes, had to come back down to middleweight, so he's got to fight. Luke Rockwell's not even in the UFC anymore, at least, or he hasn't fought in a long time. Robert Whitaker just got beat by Adesanya. Calvin Gaslam, another top-tier guy, just got beat by Adesanya. So he's got a fight coming up. So really, when you look at it, Adesanya made the right move, calling out Yoel Romero. But I just think, I think that's a fucking stupid thing to do. <laughs> I think it's so fucking stupid because you call him out, and the last couple title shots Yoel Romero has been a part of it's his own fault why he couldn't win the belt. I think one. Of, I think the second fight with Robert Whitaker. I think I watched that fight a couple times because the first time I watched it, I had it Robert Whitaker winning that fight. But then the second time I watched it, I actually went back and I'm like, ah, I, I give it to Yoel. So it always just goes to show you you're seeing different things every time. Every time you watch that fight, you're going to see something different that you might have missed the first time. He made way for this fight though, so he's serious. Like the. You know, Israel's got him, you know, calling him out, challenging him, you know, saying some shit that 
you know, maybe you got that beast fired up. I don't know if you want to do that. Yoel, like Yoel Romero is, is just the scariest fucking dude when it comes to, you know, when he's in that cage, just built like a brick shit house. But we'll see. The great thing about fighting, you could be built, you could be the biggest guy in the world, and you can get cracked in the head by a little scrawny dude with no chest, no abs, no nothing. Just comes in there, bing, hits you with a right hand. And you're on Queer Street. Excuse the reference. And that's, oh, that's what I love about the sport. But the thing that intrigues me the most about this fight is part of me wants Yoel to win because he's been there so many times and he's such a good fighter. I hate his fucking style. I hate his style of fighting because he gasses out so fast. He barely throws anything in any volume. He might throw one or two punches. If he cracks you, he might try to unload the gas tank. So I hate his style. I hate... I literally, I'll be honest, I don't even pay to order his pay-per-views. I, I stream that shit, so I save my fucking money. But I love Israel's style. And I think Israel presents some unique challenges for Yoel. He's got the range on him. He can strike from, you know, from distance. Yoel's got to really get in close to crack you. Tough. It's a tough fight. I just see, I see where Yoel can pick his spots if, you know, if they strategize correctly where he can pick his spots and he can get a W and just win that title and, you know, kind of fade off into the sunset because he will retire soon. I don't know how much longer he can fight. I think he's at 43, right? So how much longer can he go on? Well, I just think Israel has a few more tools at his disposal that will put Yoel in a little bit more harm's way. The wrestling, obviously Yoel, uh, you know, an Olympic wrestler. So he's great there. He's got the advantage. I don't think anybody could argue that. But the striking is definitely, Israel's got him in the striking. And if Yoel can't get that fight to, to the ground, and this will be an opportunity to see if Yoel does get the fight to the ground, maybe we see Israel's ground game. Maybe he surprises everybody, gets him in a triangle choke, ends the fight that way. You know, the, the, you're going you're gonna to see so many different areas of this fight. But it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely a tough fight. I'm excited for it. I'm also excited, though, for the... Is it the strawweight? I think it's the strawweight title. I don't know how to say her name. I'm gonna, Zhang. I, I, I hope I didn't butcher that. If I did, I apologize. Versus Yoana. I I love this fight because I hate how much shit Yoana Young Jacek talks. I hate it. I fucking hate it. It's just certain people can do it and they can do it really well. Israel does it really well. Conor McGregor does it really well. Nate Diaz has gotten a little better with it. But those are the people, like, when they do it, you believe that they're going to yield results. When I listen to you want to talk shit, it's just like, come on now, just stop with that. Don't nobody believe you. Nobody believes you're going to go in there and fuck anybody up. She's a great fighter. I don't want to take nothing away from her or try to be, you know, negative or anything like that. But just, you know, your star power does, your star power stops at a certain point. And, and for her, it's there. As soon as it gets to the talking, it's, it's too much. It's too much. I, I just don't like it. Like, and I honestly, I don't think she's going to win this fight. I think she's kind of talked herself into believing she's going to win the fight. I, I got I to gotta find out what this, this girl's name is. Because I don't want to fucking, I don't want to butcher it. Um, I just feel bad. Because I think she's going to win the fight, but I, I want to be able to say her name. Damn. Fuck, I don't know how to say her name. Oh, I don't even know what the new one is. is, is I think it's 248. Yeah, there it is. So UFC 248. 
I don't know how to say her first name, but her last name is Ziang. Ziang, I think it's Ziang. She's, I think she's got Yuana. I just, I've been watching some training videos on her. She got some nasty knees, some nasty elbows, and I just, I don't know, man. I think Yuana, I think Yuana's in trouble. If Yuana pulls this fight off, I think you have to put her in the conversation as one of the greatest women in the sport. Just from the victory alone, you gotta you gotta put her in that conversation. I mean, she's already probably in that conversation realistically as one of the the greatest competitors in the sport. She loves to fight. She goes out there and competes hard every time she's in there. She's had some tough fights over the last three or four fights, but but she's still she's still in that conversation for sure. I just I find it hard to believe she's gonna pull out this victory. I really do. Ziang is just she's a beast, man. She's a beast. And I don't I don't think she's gonna let that that belt go. You know, she won it. Actually, I want to see what her last fight was. Cause I'm pretty sure it was against Jess or yeah, Jessica Andrade, but I want to make sure. Cause I think she's the one who slammed her on her head. Yeah, yeah. She she TKO'd her in the first round. So she's she's coming off uh her, and then she also beat, so she beat Jessica Andrade to win the title. Then she beat Tisha Torres. Yeah, she's she's beat some tough women, man. But the crazy thing is, she's never been in a five rounder before. Well, she, the the fight against Jessica Andrade, she was in a five round fight, but it only went forty two seconds. So that's probably why that might be something that hinders her. Because Juana's had to go five rounds almost every fight. Almost every fight. So she's definitely conditioned to go the distance. And she'll be able to hold out even longer if the fight isn't aggressive. Like if they, you know, they land some big shots, but it's few and far between, Juana will be able to last it a little longer. If Zian goes in there and kind of puts a little bit of a beating on Juana early on, I think it's going to be harder for Juana to carry that pace into the later rounds in the fight because she's just going to be so so weathered like it's gonna it's gonna be tough for her oh i'm so excited for this ufc tomorrow i actually wanted i i should have taken tomorrow off but i decided to take today off maybe i'll take sunday off so i can just chill out and watch the fight but there's so few fights that get me excited to the point where i'll actually go and i'll actually pay 65 or 75 bucks because that shit is just super fucking expensive and they need to drop the price but i will get i can get up for the fight and these are two fights the rest of the card is eh, it's it's okay i'm not getting excited about anything on there like Derek brunson's coming back he's he's got to win this fight oh no that fight was canceled Dang, what happened? Oh, I got to figure out what happened with that fight. Oh, that sucks for Derek Brunson. What happened with that, though? Uh-oh. Sorry, guys. I got I to gotta find out what happened with this fight. We got fights. We got fights canceled and shit. What's going on here? Let me see if I can find out what happened here. Won't be fighting each other. In a tweet post on Thursday, announced his removal from his previously booked matchup. Oh, so apparently 
It is his competitor, Edmund. Uh, there's no way I'm even going to try that name. I'll fucking butcher that. Uh, apparently, something came up. I guess had to cancel the fight. Oh, well, hopefully, hopefully Derek Brunson gets at least gets a show money. At least he gets a show money and he's good to go because that'll kind of suck if you trained that whole time and you don't even get your show money for that. Or maybe they find him. Maybe they bring somebody up from the undercard and still allow Brunson to fight if he's willing to do that. Dang, that sucks. I was actually looking forward to seeing what he because uh, he'd been training now with with Henry Hooft up there in uh there in South Florida. So I was interested to see or if he, you know, if he has been training up there longer, it hasn't shown his performance. But I was actually super interested to see what what his striking was gonna look like. Cause Derek Brunson is very stiff. Very, very stiff when he strikes. It's actually really weird. So going to Henry Hoof was was surprising to me when I actually saw that saw that shit on Instagram. But I was actually excited for him because if he can if he can loosen up with his striking, the potential for Derek Brunson is really good. It's just every time he strikes, he doesn't bring his hands back and he keeps his chin directly up in the air. And when you're fighting guys, like he fought Israel, Adesanya, and he, he had that same technique, just real stiff. And Israel just terrorized him, terrorized him. Right? So I think it was a good move for Derek, but it's just unfortunate we're not going to get to we're not going to actually get to see what what he has to offer. Dang, that sucks, man. Ooh. There's a couple big fights in the UFC, man, coming up. I'm super excited. UFC Fight Night. Kevin Lee's back. He's going to face Charles Oliveira. Do a little do a little fight preview for that, fight recap. Oh, okay. Hold on. I just I just saw this now. I got to talk about this. Finally, Tyron Woodley's coming back. Finally. When, Jesus, I feel like he's been gone forever. This is a fight to me. Tyron Woodley's going to take on Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is, is a tough fight. He's a tough fight for Woodley. But after Woodley got thrashed by Kamara Usman, I feel like this is going to be a fight where you wouldn't want to fight a Tyron Woodley. You know, he understands that he had some weaknesses in that fight. He understands he didn't pull the trigger. He didn't kind of implement the game plan he wanted to, but that's because Kamara Usman is just a beast. He's a beast. I don't think he's going to be a champion for a long time. I really don't. I think the welterweight division is far too fucking strong. I don't think he's going to be able to hold out. But this fight here, Tyron Woodley versus Leon Edwards, I'm interested to see how this fight goes, only because whomever is the victor in this fight I wonder if they're going to be the number one contender or I wonder if Colby Covington is still at the top of that list because his fight with Kamara Usman, I actually still haven't even seen yet. I actually want to actually, maybe I'll try to watch that today, but I haven't actually seen that fight. So I don't really know how that fight played out, but I'm excited, man. I'm excited for this one. Welterweight division, man, they got a good three or four potential big fights that they could put together if they, if they steer this correctly. And they take it like Leon Edwards, Tyron Woodley. That's an amazing fucking fight, man. That's an amazing fight. The rest of the card is terrible. Oy, that is a terrible fight card. What do we got after that? Oh, Francis Ngannou is back. This is another one of the guys, one of my favorite fighters to watch just because of his style. 
but his style is the reason he's gotten into some trouble. Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt is a talented dude. He's got great hands on him. He's clearly got a shit ton of power. But man, if he even remotely clips you a little bit and he feels like he's got you on the ropes, he puts himself in so much danger. But he's also training with a new camp too. I wonder who he's training with. Um, how the fuck you spell his name? Garbrandt. Uh, oh my God. Card, bear, card Brandy. Jesus. Garbrandt. Uh, new training. On a, I can't remember who he's actually training with now. He's training. No love. Of the time. Man. Sometimes Google is great, and sometimes Google is a fucking disaster. New trainer. Let's see if we can find this here. New dream. Uncle Bob trained him along with. Oh, okay. This seems like. This seems like the article that might give us the answer. Who the fuck is he training with now? New stud. Oh my god. You got to read through this whole fucking article. Jesus. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, I'm, I'm not reading this whole article, but I'm pretty sure he is now training with like a legit trainer, like a proper gym, not alpha male. Like alpha male is a great thing that he's built, Uriah Faber, but that's not a real like legit gym as far as I'm concerned when you think about like the structure and the way that things are done. You can't, like you look at some big gyms like AKA, American top team, they have dedicated trainers for everybody. Alpha male is like fighters that train fighters. And I think they had one guy that was a fighter that actually flourished more as a trainer, Justin Buckles. And he seemed to be somebody that every time I watched like a fight camp, they raved about him. But somehow, I guess things just don't work out. I, I don't have any insight into that. So I don't want to really talk as if I do. But it just seems like that gym's constantly transitioning through fighters as trainers. Like they had Dwayne Ludwig. He would come down once in a while for a fight camp. But they've never had real structure like a, like a big gym. Like, you know, Winkle, Winkle Jackson, right? They, they need, you need guys that are going to be training guys that that's their, their craft. They know what they're doing. They're not just filling a void or doing some shit like that. They're actually dedicated trainers so that these guys can can reach their max potential and be as good as they need to be. And so I think that's what Cody Garbrandt has been seeking out is just a real trainer that will structure his, his fight camp the right way. Like one day you do wrestling, the next day we work on striking, you know, or if your striking is your strong suit, let's work on the things that you're weak at. Let's work on keeping that technique sharp so you don't get your head knocked off. Because those two fights with TJ Dillashaw, very good fights fundamental mistakes when you go and you crack somebody and you know you know that the title's on the line you know potentially your future in the sports on the line there's so much riding on that fight you know that if you just pull back and you pick your spots he's already hurt you don't need to go in for the kill just pick your spots you'll be fine it's going to be a lot easier for him to recover if you go in there anxious and go winging a bunch of shots and you miss everything and maybe you get lucky and you crack him. But in these cases, Cody was in too close and he got cracked. 
Because you're looking at an experienced guy like Dillashaw. He's not going to stop punching. He's going to continue to punch. And it's the ones you don't see or you don't expect that hurt you the most. When you know a big punch is coming, you can bite down on your mouthpiece. You can throw your hands up and maybe they clip you a little bit. You don't feel those ones. You feel the ones in exchanges where your eyes are closed and you think you're going to hit that target, but that guy gets to you faster. And in both cases, that's what happened to Cody Garbrandt against TJ Dillashaw. If he was just a little more controlled, and I think those two fights will haunt him the rest of his life. They'll haunt him because he'll never get those fights again. He'll never be able to get that fight back because TJ's on a suspension for PEDs and all kinds of other bullshit. But he'll never get that fight back. And he could have easily won both of those fights. Both of those fights. And I mean, if he had won the first one, there wouldn't even have been a rematch because he was already the champion. He only got the rematch with Dillashaw because he was the champion. And I talked about this on a podcast a long time ago because I was so agitated that he took that second fight and he just jumped right back in. He didn't even take a fight. Didn't take some time away from the sport to clear his head, to clear his emotions of the fight. He just was like, no, nah, I want to fucking get back in there. I want that title. It was always about the title. It was never about being there for the fight, being there to win the fight. It was always, I need to get the title back. That was my identity. You know, I had reached my goal, but it, it was the the belt. If I, if I didn't have the belt, I wasn't a champion. Fuck that shit, man. If you fight in the UFC for a living, you're already a fucking champion. I don't give a shit who you are. Even if you're the fighter on the bottom of the roster, making $10,000, or you're making fucking a million dollars a show. All those motherfuckers are champions. They fight for a living. That's nuts, right? So I didn't, I didn't like that the UFC was so quick to book that fight. I didn't like, maybe there's people in this corner telling them, no, nah, don't take that fight, take your time. And it wouldn't even have been a matter of being scared or being fucking worried. You just gotta, you gotta come away from that fight. You gotta let your mind clear. You just got knocked out by somebody that you had hurt and that you genuinely don't like. There's far too much going on in your head that even you wouldn't even be able to comprehend. So you gotta let go of all that shit before you even consider getting back into a training camp and investing your time and your body into something that you're not even detached from. You need to detach from it first. So I just, I didn't like that fucking call. I didn't like that call at all. And somebody should have told him that's not the right move to make. And like I said, maybe somebody did, but then clearly that boy wasn't listening. You need to get his mother out there, talk some fucking sense into him. Cause he's a, he's an amazing talent and he's lost three or three or four fights in a row now, I think, because I think it was after he lost the third fight or even the fourth fight. He's, now he's taking the hiatus from the sport. He's taking like a year and a half off to find a new fight camp, to find a new trainer. So, and they're not putting him against no pussy. Rafael Asuncao is a tough dude. He is a tough motherfucker and he's not easy to beat. And he's going to capitalize on mistakes that Garbrandt makes just like any other top tier fighter would, would do. If Garbrandt goes out there trying to swing heavy, he's not patient. He doesn't fight his natural instincts because he's so used to hitting people and hurting them so easily that he just wants to react and pounce on them like a fucking pit bull. He's got to scale back. He doesn't need to do that. So I'm super excited for that fight. I really want to see if he comes out. Man, scrolling through fucking Google, I found so many good fights that I haven't even been looking at because I've just been, just been, you know, watching them as they come. I haven't even been looking forward. Like I used to scroll through their site and I'd be like, okay, what's the next fight coming up? All right, cool. I'm, I'm stoked for that one. But I realized it got me too hyped because like I'd look for like, pay-per-views that are like four months down the road, three months down the road. And I would always get like super stoked. And I'm like, damn, I'm talking about it too early. Or I'm just getting too excited about it too early. So I don't do that. I try to just keep it now, like the next show, the next show, the next show. And I'll kind of watch it like that. But UFC's got some pretty dope fucking shows coming up, man. 
pretty dope shows coming up. Uh, the one thing I forgot to actually do was I forgot to give my prediction. So I gave my prediction on the Iwana and Ziang fight. I hope I'm saying that right. I feel so bad if I'm butchering that. Jesus. I think Ziang's got that. I think she finishes her in the third round. And I think it's a knockout. I think she knocks her out. I just, the, the training videos I've watched, just the focus that you can see, there's just a different level that I can visually see and like the commitment that she has. And she just, she doesn't look like she wants to give up that belt. All right. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that John Jones mentality. Like, you know, you're great. It's just a matter of exercising that every time you get into that cage. And I think she has that same type of, that same type of energy. All right. So I think Ziang, I think she wins that third round by, by a knockout or some type of finish, some type of stoppage. And I'm a little conflicted with this one, but I'm, I'm going to go with Israel. I think Israel, I think Israel wins. I'm going to say knockout. I know some people are probably like, are you fucking nuts? Israel's not going to knock out Yoel Romero. Nobody ever knocks out Yoel Romero. I think Israel gets him. I think Israel gets him. It might be a premature stoppage. You might rock him, get him down. Because he's so quick to getting, you know, jumping on when he gets a guy hurt. I think he's, I think he's going to finish him. I think he feels he, he feels like he has something to prove. And I don't, I think he wants, I think he wants that chip on his shoulder. And I think he's going to go out there and I think he's going to, he's going to fight to finish. You know, I love Yoel and it kills me to have to go against him, but he's going up against a young, hungry lion who's got way too much to prove. And, you know, I see all these headlines about Israel, about the next star. He's got that, that, that Conor McGregor like quality, that star like quality, man. He's, he's, he, he can talk, he can fight. Uh, he can sell a fight. He can, he can, you know, he's, he's just out there in the public doing a whole bunch of shit, saying a whole bunch of crazy stuff. That's what Connor did, man. And, and his, his star power is going to grow as long as he can finish fights or continue to fight the way he's fighting. And he can, he can continue to talk his way into big fights or, or get that, get that attention generated around him through that. Oh, he's sky's the limit for him, man. Next big star. And that's good for the UFC. Cause I mean, Connor has been super inactive for a long time and he just now that he's so big he just decides fuck it making millions off that whiskey that he made you know he made a hundred million dollars from the connor fight who knows how much fucking money he's made from the ufc he's just like whatever man i got two kids life is good man i could buy a fucking yacht sail across the world he ain't trying to do no fighting man and i think honestly and i agree with a lot of people that him picking cerrone i think Conor McGregor, even, even Donald has to know this. Like, Donald's a fucking amazing fighter. And I feel bad actually talking shit about Donald right now because, or, well, I don't know if I'm talking shit, but more, more so the truth. I think Conor took that fight because he knew it was an easy fight. I think he needed to walk into a fight that he knew wasn't going to really put him in danger. Everybody knows Donald Cerrone's gun shy. Great fighter, but he's gun shy. Takes him a round or two. And Conor has the potential to finish a guy in the first round. So as long as Connor came out with the right energy and the right strategy, that fight wasn't going to go. That fight wasn't even going to go past the first round. Even if Connor didn't knock him out when he did, Connor was going to finish that fight in the first round. Five minutes is a long time in the fight world. There was no way Donald's going to hold on and, and be able to last in that fight at all. And I think everybody knew that. And I think that's why he's getting a backlash about the fight. Like nobody's kind of giving him the respect. Like, oh, Connor's back. He looks good. Because when he lost to Nate and he came back, he fought the same guy he wasn't going to let up. He was like, I want to fight him. 
when he got thrashed by Khabib, he had no intention of coming back and fighting Khabib. So he knows Khabib has just another level. Like Connor's there and he's an elite fighter. But Khabib just has that fucking level that just like, God damn, it's like it's like a bear is just grabbing a hold of you and just whipping you around and throwing you down. He's just leaning on you and pummeling the shit out of you and you can't fucking do nothing. You just got to sit there and let him eat the shit out of you. Yeah, I said eat. I, I didn't mean to say beat, eat. Like just fucking bear just grab you by the neck and oh, fucking whiffing you around. Like that's what Khabib is. He's a fucking bear. It's a monster. And I don't think Conor wanted anything to do with that. And that was actually the first time that I've ever seen Khabib land a punch that put somebody on their ass. And I also felt like Conor McGregor mentally psyched himself out in that fight. I think he knew the danger that Habib presented to him. And I think he tried to mask it through promoting the fight and just being a complete asshole. Because there's no way. Khabib is weak in areas. Like his hands are probably, he's probably got powerful strikes. But his, his striking from a technical standpoint is brutal. He's stiff. He throws and he doesn't bring his hands back. Like he's got some terrible fucking technique. And that's got to kill his coach because his coach is a top level coach. So there is ways that you can exploit Khabib. But Habib is just what he's good at. He's very fucking good at. And it's hard when he gets into the, the rhythm of the fight and he gets you where he wants you. It's hard to get him off. Which makes his next fight super intriguing. Because if you can't do that with Tony, man. There, I don't think, I think early on in Khabib's career, I keep saying Khabib and then Habib. <laughs> I'm going to go with Habib. Habib in, in his early part of his career fought very good talent. But when you move up, as he came up, he didn't, he didn't necessarily fight guys that were opposite his skill set. And what I mean by that is Tony Ferguson is great on the ground. Habib is a great wrestler. So being on the ground now against Tony is going to cause him more problems then it's gonna. It's not gonna be beneficial to have Tony on the ground. Tony's gonna elbow you. Tony's gonna fight you. Tony's gonna throw up leg locks. He's gonna throw up triangles. So you're in danger. So every time that Khabib takes him to the the canvas, Khabib, I did I not just say I was gonna say Habib and not Khabib. Habib is gonna be in danger. So every time he takes him down, Habib's got to be careful. It's, it's 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 not it's not gonna be fun down there. When he took Connor down, Connor's not gonna threaten from the bottom. Ally Quinta's not going to threaten from the bottom. These guys just, that's not in their game. Tony's going to threaten from the bottom. So it's going to be, that's another interesting fight. When's that coming up? When, when is Habib and Tony Ferguson? I think that's like April 4th. April 4th, Habib and Ferguson. I want you guys to let me know how many times I said Habib and then Khabib. Because I know I, I know I jumbled back on that at least six times. At least six times. And then twice after I said I wasn't going to do it. When is that? When is this fight? Oh, okay. So, Habib and Tony is April 18th. That is when their fight is. I just hope there's no injuries, man. These guys have been booked two times. Two times. Is it two times or one time? Oh, maybe one time. They were booked once before in 2017 to fight and they just never got around to it so hopefully they get there and this fight actually fucking happens because it's going to be amazing oh i can't wait for that but i'm gonna step away from the ufc talk sports talk fight talk all that stuff i kind of wanted to talk to you guys about like i said earlier 
which was the plans for the podcast and the plans for the YouTube channel. So when I started out in 2019 and not literally started out the channel, but every, when I started out in 2018, I just kind of played through the highs and lows. I was like, all right, I'm not going to have a plan. I'm just going to play through the highs and lows. 2019, I failed miserably. I'll be fucking honest. I failed miserably. Every goal I set, I came nowhere close to meeting. So now for 2020, what I've said to myself is I'm going to set more realistic goals. So in 2019, I said I wanted to get to a thousand subscribers. Well, how am I going to get to a thousand subscribers if I, if I don't promote this? I don't let people know I'm doing it. I don't put it out there. So all the goals that I set up for 20, for 2020 are both for the podcast and for the YouTube channel. And I think, you know, I keep saying to myself, like, I gotta, I gotta stop being afraid to tell people that I do it. You know, I'm not afraid. Well, how do I say this? I'm more so afraid of the criticism because for me, I enjoy doing this. I really do. I love doing it. I love the po- I love the podcasting so much. It's so much fucking fun. I love when I have people come on and, and do the do the podcast with me. It's it's a great time. I fucking enjoy it. I love doing them by myself. I love talking to you guys about the things I'm interested in, about the things that I struggle with. I love I love talking to you guys, man. And I love the fact that you guys listen to the show. But the reality is I want I want these things to thrive. And I don't want them to thrive for any other reason than the fact that I want them to just do well. I don't, I don't want to become famous or become important from a podcast. I just want people to listen. I just want people to listen and enjoy what they're listening to. So I'm going to make the goals a little more realistic, a little more attainable. And I'm definitely going to, you know, set some boundaries for myself or no, not boundaries, set some goals for myself. And those goals are going to be, you know, I want to stick to a strict schedule. I want to really put effort into having people come on the show and and giving you guys, introducing you guys to the people that are in my life, whether that's my mom on the podcast, my brother, my friends, my coworkers, people that I genuinely enjoy talking to on a regular basis. I want to get them on here. You know, I've been fortunate enough this year. Uh, this is the third podcast of the year, and I've done two of them. The first two, one was with my girlfriend's cousin. The other one was with a coworker who's a friend. She came on. I was super you know, proud of her. She did the show. And that's the goal, man. This is the first one that I've done solo. And I got to tell you, I love it. I love just being able to rant and and fucking riff about the most random shit. But I also do enjoy having somebody on the other end. And you're able to talk to them. They're able to teach you something. You're able to, you know, talk and communicate. And I love that. So the goal is to really, you know, put the podcast out there. Not be afraid if people aren't going to like it. That's just a part of the world. You know, not everybody's going to like what you do. And there's going to be people... That criticize and and say shit doesn't mean it's true. And I just have to be okay and comfortable with that and understand that that's just their opinion. That's not everyone's opinion. That's just their opinion. So I'm definitely going to work very hard at continuing to to grow this podcast and and make it something that you guys really want to tune into. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. And then the same thing with the YouTube channel. I'm going to keep pumping out the vlog content. I've decided that, you know, vlogging is the thing that I enjoy the most. That running gun style, just being able to film your life and what's going on and be able to to piece that story together. And hopefully you guys start to tune into that and watch that. I'm going to become a little more consistent on social media, letting you guys know when that content is up. So I just don't act like a dummy and be like, all right, I'm going to post and then hope you guys see it. I mean, the reality is I got to put that 
that out in front of you guys for you guys to decide if you like it or if you don't. Uh, so hopefully, you know, for 2020, I'm able to to meet those goals and those expectations that I set for myself and, and not waver in those and continue just to produce the best content that I can uh, for you guys, uh, especially with this podcast that, you know, the people that are subscribed here, I thank you. I appreciate the time you give me. I appreciate the fact that you're subscribed to the, the podcast and the show and anybody that follows me on YouTube, the YouTube channel at Brad Ogden. Uh, thank you guys to you guys, man. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the fact that you tune in and watch the videos, whether you leave a like, whether you leave a comment, whether you just watch, I appreciate it. I love it. And, uh, hopefully I'm able to, to continue to grow and get better, um, and, and make better content for you guys. But that's it for me guys, man. I want to thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Let me know in the comment section about the fights and who you think is going to win. And I'll see you guys on the next episode, man. Have a good night.